Welcome back to this month's Real Estate Roundtable, your all-in-one comprehensive view of what's happening across the real estate industry, straight from some of the industry's earliest technology adopters and foremost experts. I'm Andreas Senni, your host, founder of Siri Collaborative, brokerage owner, and a technology growth strategist, as we do every month. It's a three-part show, introductions to each of our roundtable hosts, part two, what's happening in across each of our sectors, cybersecurity, technology, marketing, capital, car washes, and part three, what does this mean for your business and how can you improve over the next 30 days to close more transactions, to be a better professional? Joining us for this month's segment, we have none other, Saul Klein, Rebecca Carlson, Chris Abel, and Anna Maria. And as is the format, Let's go around, do a quick introduction. What's the biggest thing happening in your side of the business? And uh, as a, assumably, as usual, these are not in the order they're supposed to be that I see them. So Saul, why don't you go first? Just because I said your name first. Ah, there you go. Well, you know, lots of great things going on in, in my business. And uh, most of it manifests in sitting out in the front yard and getting a little sun. So when we've got sun, we like to take advantage of it. Uh, but you know, throughout, and we'll probably talk about this, in the real estate industry itself, there's lots of things going on. In the economy, lots of things going on. Uh, I'll bring it down local. I'll talk about the car wash uh, because on the 1st of May, we increased the prices on the car wash and we went to uh, $5 for five minutes and $2 for six minutes on the vacuums. And we haven't had any slowdown at all. And so I thought, you know, maybe every month when we talk about this, we should get some input from people that own car washes because that car, that ratio might be something where we create a, a car wash economic indicator and we're able <laughs> to determine locally what's going on in the economy based on something we figure out from what's going on at the car washes. So lots of people washing their cars are raised the price locally. Um, things are really good. And, and nationally, internationally, well, there's lots of things we're going to talk about. Love it. And for those that don't know, Saul Klein is, for all intents and purposes, I call the father of technology and internet adoption in residential real estate. He was part of the team that helped form the Real Estate Information Network, what most people now know as Realtor.com, you know, out there with the associations. Uh, a true pioneer in the industry, syndication, education, and a true luminary, if I say so myself, at least for me when we're talking and a car wash owner that I am dedicated to making famous in every aspect for every show. Uh, Rebecca Carlson, if you would, what's happening in Chicago? A little less sun, as we were discussing earlier. Far less sun than there is with us all in California. But we are experiencing, certainly in marketing, a real push towards the upcoming ICSC convention. So for commercial real estate, especially in the retail sector, the upcoming convention is a big deal. And we're having clients come to us with some last minute projects. And I would say the most, uh, I would say inspiring piece of it is how much of it is takeaway and how much of it and leave behind. So actual documents that people are going to print and give to people, which is very fun and we haven't done for two years. And then also we have an amazing lunch that we put on specifically on behalf of a client next realty on Tuesday and anybody can come. So on Tuesday from 11 to two at the Renaissance adjacent to South hall, 
we have our wonderful luncheon. It's just a buffet. You come in, you get some food, you network, you talk to people, you can even have meetings there. And we are encouraging as many people as possible to come. So for the, for those that don't know, and you've been under a rock, if you don't know, you have to go to ICSC in Vegas in commercial real estate. It's one of the biggest events of the year. I see Anna Maria shaking her head there over at Inland. Inland's a big sponsor as well. Yeah. Uh, NARS there. Everyone is there. Why? Because that's where deals are done. And Becca, thank you as always and Saul for coming back on the show. I'm always excited to hear things from the different aspects, especially the marketing brokerage side that you bring. And speaking of brokerage side and marketing in Chicago, Anna Maria, welcome back for the second, third show. Yes. See, Pace, I'm hearing it everywhere. What's yes, the biggest thing happening absolutely. in your market? <laughs> <laughs> well, normally I would say about this time I'm coming down from uh, April Sustainability Earth Month. Uh, so many presentations, webcasts, and just getting the word out there, doing the education piece, because um, this segment of real estate finance is so niche that um, it really requires a lot of touches between uh, us and the ultimate client. Uh, it's a, um, uh, you know, it's something that's best done on an education platform. And so that's all I constantly do. And, uh, and I say, usually I'd be coming down from this month, but this month was so successful the past month that I have additional engagements this month that I'm involved in as kind of overflow, which is actually a wonderful thing. Uh, no complaints. Uh, things are hopping and, and we're really doing uh, uh, a real push on getting the word out there. Love to hear it. I mean, I'm seeing more and more CPACE related content, which is exciting, mm -hmm. especially as, as different lenders inflation and rates rise. CPACE is a no-brainer in my book. And I love that you touched on that educational piece because we mm -hmm. have a hat tip to Rebecca's daughter for getting her first job out of education. And for Chris Abel joining us again as the membership director at the Associated Builders and Contractors, didn't you just come out of a, a big educational event just the other day? Yeah. Uh, uh, the trades as well. Yeah, huge event. I've been spending a lot of time um, the past couple of weeks actually with uh, not only Associated Pillars and Contractors, but I've been helping out the Minority Construction Council here in Connecticut um, in the technical high schools and introducing, um, you know, these students to different opportunities. And um, so, yeah, we're wrapping up Construction Safety Week this week. It's like every week, every month, every day, there's something. You just got to grasp onto it. It's it's. it's and then yesterday actually was um, Skilled Trades Day, and we ha we hosted uh, just about uh, 600 students to this Construction Career Day. I mean, that's where they found me a few years ago, so I have a, a soft spot for this event. But it is hands-on. I mean, completely immersive. You're going to be introduced to construction. Um, you're going to be getting inside heavy machinery. You're going to be using fire extinguishers with the fire protection companies the right way. You're going to be pulling wires. You're going to be uh, working with some of the big vendors and they're doing some time competitions and OSHA and Department of Labor and Department of Transportation. They're all there. Um, so big shout out to everybody who came out and supported the, the, the event yesterday. And I got to say, the kids were awesome. After a three-year hiatus, these kids were just like pumped 
they were polite. They had great questions. They were ready to go. So uh, it was good. It gave it gave some new energy to the future of the construction industry. And knowing some some students want to build, I was I was kind of hanging out in a uh, giant Jenga uh, exhibit for a few hours, just helping you know helping these kids see how high they could build the the towers up to the ceiling. So it was good. Good to see the youth out there. Uh, building just hope we can get them to work uh, as soon as possible because we need it filling that employment gap we touched on yeah. a few shows yeah. ago and, yeah. and speaking of employment gap becca your daughter is filling the employment gap of uh, a certified nursing assistant and she just had her fourth interview after passing the state exam literally one week ago today she passed her state exam she has not graduated from high school yet. She graduates next week. She's had multiple interviews with doctors and hospitals, and she just got she just got it at the hospital that she has always wanted to work at. That's it's wild. It seems like everybody's full of energy. It's May. We're full of energy. Everyone's excited to be going where they're going. Saul, you're making more money at the car wash. Do you need another partner? I mean, you got four people here on the call. <laughs> Who cares? Actually, yeah. actually, four of us. Three of us went to high school. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Shortly after high school, we got together and we said, you know, we need to buy real estate. And how do we do it? Can we do it together? And so, yeah, partners are a good thing. You can't That's kind of like the, the way the Inland Group got uh, on its feet. It was uh, four uh, college buddies who got together and uh, studied uh, education and were going to go that route. And then, you know, some diverted, but all together they started investing in real estate. Yep. So nothing better than that. Yep. Ed education first, then their first foray or free labor. It sounds like, Chris, you got some free labor out of a bunch of kids yesterday. <laughs> and yeah. um, over to Saul's car wash, big and growing. What, um, Saul, we touched on it last, last month, and I just want to bring it back front and center. How are things with that new uh, trans, tramp, excuse me, trolley system? They were raising the prices or they were doing away with it. They were, they were changing everything. I did a, a couple of things. Uh, they opened up what they call the blue line, which basically runs from the border up to La Jolla. So it runs from the Mexican border, California border to La Jolla, which is a real nice part of San Diego. So you got this blue line and it's really too early to tell what's going to happen and how that, but the idea is that they'll build higher density along that corridor and it will, you know, make it easier for people that work in La Jolla that don't live there to get, you know, all of the things that we know about that we know makes sense. Um, and the way that land use changes around transportation. So in San Diego that, and it's probably happening everywhere, but I'm in here in San Diego, you see lots of things going on to change transportation. Habits. Some things not so logical. Some things happen overnight without anybody knowing it. There's lots of incentive behind this taking place. And so that's what's happening in San Diego. And we also know that land values will change based on the transportation. And there'll be halo effect on properties uh, based on the, the proximity to transportation. And so um, that was the blue line in San Diego. Then there's also to change transportation, the, the combined governments in San Diego wanted to add a gallon, of like a five cent a gallon tax on top of the existing tax. And uh, that doesn't make a lot of sense. That penalizes everybody, particularly people that don't make a lot of money. You have to commute from further out. And it's a totally regressive idea. And uh, we got that tabled for a while. And in California, the state, we've got extra gas. So a lot of um, experimentation with transportation 
because that gets us back. And this gets us back into Anna Maria, your thing, right? Which is is uh, sustainability, my favorite book, right? The New Grand Strategy, restoring American prosperity, security, and sustainability in the 21st century. And under all is the land, and you got to do the best that you can with the land because if we're going to get out of the jam that we're in and all the major social problems that we have, we can do it if we manage our asset effectively. 43% of all of the of the assets in this country is real estate. So if we pay attention to the data and we pay attention to the environment and we're conscious of sustainability, there's lots of good things happening. But in the meantime, we've got inflation, we've got high interest rates, we're gonna have a recession, we don't know how bad it's gonna get, should I buy, should I not buy? Lots of things going on right now, right? A hundred percent, and it is happening everywhere. We spoke on the greater New York, putting in congestion tolls. Because you're driving to work, let me charge you more. Really, <laughs> that just doesn't help people who have to get where they need to be. We did not tell that it's happening. So luckily, I'm happy at home in Connecticut for the time being, not commuting in. But to your point, the going green, being impactful, moving along the lines of net zero carbon emissions, which countries are committed to globally, mm -hmm. land use changes, that's what we're seeing. But I'm not seeing the transactions coming through, at least in my networks. Uh, we're seeing a lot of stalled development in the sense of a lot of the things that are coming up for deliverability are really 18 months prior. They were started, they're restarting. I wonder, from your sides of the table, how many of you are seeing a, a change in the actual transaction where, I, yes, I bought it for X, but now let me shift and pivot to Y. Or are, are people sitting back and saying, 17% inflation, I better wait. I want to I see what's going to happen. You know, I know I that's think, a tough question. Go ahead. No, I think things are, you know, things are progressing. It's just that uh, there are still supply chain issues. And so we notice that even on some deals that we have in place that are ready to be financed, uh, you know, uh, just aren't moving along as, as quickly as they normally would. Um, and, and people are saying, oh, you know, I'm waiting on materials uh, for, you know, uh, what was supposed to be uh, five, six weeks is now three, four months. And, uh, you know, and, and it's been worse in many scenarios. Um, so, so that's definitely an issue. Um, I, I think, you know, uh, yes, finances have something to do with it. And it typically isn't CPACE. It's it's other portions of the capital stack that are either tightening uh, restrictions or, um, uh, you know, uh, requiring additional qualifications, et cetera, and, and uh, which actually makes CPACE a more attractive uh, kind of product to use in conjunction. Uh, with and and trying to get that uh, uh, sustainable project moving forward. You know, so you're going to see a lot of, of change taking place with the GSEs, with Fannie and Freddie and and more private and different uses of the of the data again. So there's major changes that are taking place now. And then this idea that interest rates are going up. They got to go up. They got to keep going up because we've got inflation and that has to be curbed and they know people know that handle this know how it needs to happen it might get worse 
worse. It might, we still see a lot of sugar coat on, on what might take place. I know that there are people that, that buy you know, lots and lots of properties at a time are keeping their powder dry or holding back or making plans for things that they think might happen that are on the real positive side. And so there, are, there is, uh, and so I've said this all along, look for the opportunity and avoid the dissent, right? So there's going right. to be a lot of opportunity, but there's going to be a lot of shake up. And you can see every time the interest rates ratchet up just a little bit, X number of people fall out of the marketplace for one reason or another. And so mm -hmm. what is it? And it's intended because it's intended to slow down uh, the demand, right? And to slow down the growth. And then there's always the pain. And can they do it? Can the Fed do it without uh, creating a recession? Can they do the soft landing? Well, all this stuff is speculation, right? So everybody's got to be looking out for themselves, paying attention to what's going on. And uh, I said for the first time yesterday, and I'm really bullish on real estate. I love real estate. It's like was in my blood. When, and when I got a license, it wasn't to teach people how to sell real estate, all it turned out to be that. It wasn't to have a sales team working for me. It wasn't to sell to other people, although I knew that was the way you could earn a living. It was for me to be able to go out and find real estate to buy. Because I'd really like real estate. And I would always say, buy real estate. Have a long-term hold. This is the best thing you can do. The interest rates are still at a on average low so you should still make out as long as you have the ability to hold but with, the, with certain assaults against private property rights and some crazy things that we see going on i said yesterday for the first time i'd be hesitant if somebody asked me today paul would you invest in real estate in california today right so that doesn't mean other places but i said i wouldn't but in i would say you know what right now i would not i would hold back and that doesn't mean I think it's a bad investment or it's like, right? It's no, like, but you were cautious. You're, you're being cautious. You're saying, and yeah, you've been or, through a few cycles. On, right? Yeah. And, and being cautious is, is, a, is a big thing. I mean, Becca, you're, you're out there marketing for many different investors, developers, different projects. Are you guys adjusting messaging because of caution or are you just out there full bore? So, so far, we haven't seen a lot of messaging adjustment, but interestingly enough, I did just meet with a client today who is raising a, who's raising an investment fund. And we were talking about the strategy of, of tailoring the messaging to make sure that a younger generation of investor understands that uncertainty brings opportunity rather than just uncertainty puts you in this fearful position, but rather their purpose in their in their company and their fundraise and their their name legacy real estate group right they're trying to build a legacy and they want to appeal to a younger investor in their 30 somethings these guys are in their 30s they're they have this great vision for multifamily investment and yet they're hitting that hurdle of people seeing the macroeconomic trends and being frightened and yet we're, we are tweaking that messaging to make sure that they understand that there's opportunities in there and that's what great investors do is find those opportunities not necessarily a short-term turnaround but real estate isn't a short term no. could be yeah. but for most it's mid to long term mm -hmm. uh and a now generational shift which is what we uh -huh. talked a lot about mm -hmm. so uh good luck on the messaging most of my clients are not in their 30s thank god <laughs> i mean you know, come on come all uh and i say that with uh, a lot of hubris there are so many different clients out there in, in different groups and so much data to, to Saul's point, but it's, it's slim pickings for us here in the Northeast. There's only X amount. And what, for the first time, at least in my market, there are, when you have these big development projects, people are ready to get on the phone and talk about their triple net tenants and, and move. 
And I'm having trouble with some of those brokers. They seem to be hesitating to respond because they don't want to lock up portion X, Y, and Z. Is is what I take back from listening to Saul and to, and to you back and to Anna Maria and and Chris, you as well. If, if there's no materials, they don't want to commit. Everybody's cautious. But to, to both your points, generational wealth, real estate will always eventually rise. Yeah, that's how old you are. Long term, right? <laughs> this is the whole term. That's, that's the whole. That's we bought the car wash in 1979. You know, if you hold on to it, you'll do okay. And you were talking about a, a trend. So your trend, you increase prices. What percentage is that? You, you yeah, were talking about that. About 15%. But we hadn't okay. done it in a long time. And that's one of the things kind of interesting. The car wash is a very simple kind of business, but there are different ways you can generate more revenue. Right? You can increase the decrease the time for the same amount of money. Or you, right? I mean, there are different combinations of things that you can do to, to make something as simple as that generate more revenue. And the way you do it is you pay attention to the data. You also know which stalls do the best at what time of day. And so there are a lot of different things that you never even think about with a simple little business like a car wash uh, where you can actually have a, a major effect on the bottom line just through pay, by paying attention to the data. Sure. Uh, look, uh, building optimization back on CPACE, putting in some of these green initiatives aren't just great for being impactful. They actually affect the bottom line at the end of the day when you can optimize that building. Uh, it's, it's like I always say, you go green and you save green, uh, you I know, because uh, uh, the, the money, money savings comes from uh, the lesser energy consumption. And, and the fact is, you know, places like car washes consume a lot of water, you know, uh, and, uh, so what measures are in place, you know, to help relieve some of that or perhaps some kind of recycling method? And uh, there are there's so much new technology uh, being developed, too, around sustainability, um, you know, with some of the new hydrogen gas products and uh, just all kinds of things. And, and that's what makes this such an exciting uh, arena, because uh, the possibilities are almost endless or as endless as the imagination. And, and um, I think some of the push toward uh, doing things in a more green fashion, it is really to the benefit of innovation. And uh, people are being forced to look at things in a different light and, and come up with new ways of doing things. And, and even in the um, area of battery storage, you know, because even when you have renewables, there's still a storage issue to, uh, to take into account. And, and so that technology is constantly improving. So there's just, you know, I mean, it's an endless conversation, literally. Well, and an endless way to to improve or find that little piece of your capital stack. You know, Saul, I'm thinking of your car wash here, and I'm thinking back to the first time I pulled into a gas station, and they started playing a video commercial while I was pumping gas on the little screen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and if we can get that as a C-Pace loan while the guy's cleaning his car with the vacuum, <laughs> then you... <laughs> <laughs> that would be the truly creative financing of it all. Um, but Chris, I mean, on your side, construction-wise, what uh, is it? Are green materials? If regular materials are, are short supply, are the things needed for greening to be uh, to be more involved? What's going on there? Well, to, um, just to kind of piggyback on what uh, Anna Maria was saying, so 
as far as thinking, kind of thinking outside the box or thinking in different ways, um, the materials aren't necessarily just out there, you know, okay, so we're not going to do, do it this way. We're going to do it this, you know, this way instead. But what I'm seeing is, especially with some of the uh, municipalities, some of the state funded work, some of that, um, you know, some of that, that public work, these jobs are being held up. They're not starting right away. Um, the, the grant money and the money that was there, they're basically saying, well, yeah, those prices went up, but I'm sorry, there's no more money there. So then you have the GCs, the CMs, uh, and their representatives basically coming down to the subs and saying, hey, listen, we're not getting any more money. We can't really change what we're doing. So I am seeing some of the subcontractors, um, you know, trying to get a little more innovative, um, you know, and, and dig into some of those materials and, and try to find different ways to maybe go green where they weren't really thinking about it before. It may not work on the set of projects that are going to be kicking off in the next, let's say, five or six months, but they're starting to prepare for let's not get caught like this again, because some of these subs are in spots where, you know, they have licensed tradespeople there. And if they can't keep them working, they can't let go of a licensed tradesperson because a, a electrician's going to get going to get gobbled up in a heartbeat from a, from a competitor. So they are starting to look into more uh, sustainable options and different initiatives. Like I said, most of those aren't going to be the projects that are, you know, maybe kicking off very soon, but they just don't want to get caught with their, um, you know, they don't want to get caught in the future in the same, in the same basket. As far as the materials go, I mean, everything's just still really hard to get, you know, to get their. Uh, I've been seeing know. a lot of recycling of materials, yeah. uh, Chris. And so yeah. like in uh, on demolition sites, you know, they will take the good usable wood and use it uh, yeah. in uh, a newer construction project or, or some kind of uh, a retrofit scenario where they need to repair something. Uh, have you been seeing a lot of that as well? Oh, oh yeah, I've seen, um, I was actually speaking to a smaller drywall contractor who has uh, a father and an uncle who are more on the GC side of things. And I'm seeing a lot of that, um, you know, uh, through some of those smaller, those smaller subs saying, Hey, listen, you know, we can, we can probably work together on this, you know, give me what you got there. What type of demo work are you doing? And then, um, nothing new here, but the restoration side of things, obviously, um, there, I know a couple of the restoration contractors I work with, they're taking some stuff in that they may have maybe passed on five years ago and said, you know what? we're not going to reuse this and they're starting to build up a nice little um you know build up their sheds and build up Pot piles yeah to say you know what because there's also some stuff coming out that you know some of these places they they want something a little more unique you know i know a church project right now where they're not looking for you know the the the, the windows to be like you would see in a school all set up they want they need a different type here. They need something here and they need the basement to be done a little bit different. And they're obviously not sitting on tons and tons of cash where, so they, they're, they're more willing to say, Hey, listen, you know, what do you have? What do, what do you have in mind? Um, you're the expert come talk to, you know, and it's forcing these contractors to, to kind of get back to the roots and be, be a little more creative too. Um, especially in, that's more in the private. I would say that's more in the private sector than the public. The public is pretty, Let's get this done. Where they, where they can. The I think I mentioned it last time. So Shelton, I moved to Shelton for those tuning in the first time. Love it. Taxes dropped 
by half from where I was before. They're going down again. Big manufacturing park coming into town, huge tax roll from the corporate uh, tenants in the area. A large part is office, um, more so now industrial being built. Super exciting. And getting things done in these areas were very stalled, but they are now moving to what you were saying before, Chris. They've kind of figured it out, like, let me get the materials. And not that the materials are substandard, they're just shifting from different places. Mm -hmm. And that's okay especially if they're marketed well over there to Becca um, and Saul on the, on the car side, on the car side, outside of the cars. Uh, Saul, you touched on something and, and I hesitate to bring it up for those who are newer to the round table, but the ice exchange and some big things, some big acquisitions. And what I'm hearing all around the table is this hesitation. So consolidation or stop, let's call it stockpiling of funds or just resources, stockpiling resources. I'm an investor, I'm stockpiling my resources so I can make moves. The VC space, funding is down 17%. Q1, same time last year. Valuations are up. So again, everybody's stockpiling, consolidating their resources. ICE is doing something similar, Saul, on a, on yeah, a macro ICE, level. Yeah, I talked a year or two ago. ICE is the biggest company you've never heard of. <laughs> and um, ICE is the company that owns the New York Stock Exchange. So you know the New York Stock Exchange. Well, this is the company that owns the New York Stock Exchange and something like uh, 27 other exchanges around the world. This is, this is big time. This is the capital markets on steroids. And they have been accumulating over the last three or four years the products that they need to be able to control data flow from the time someone might be interested in buying a piece of real estate till the loan pays off automate as much of that and you hear about the digitization of real estate and digit oh it'll never happen oh no people want oh no we got all these no at the highest levels right it's being it's being done so what we had so ice just so, so you know if you ever hear uh about it's first time i heard it i thought of the immigration thing you know but um so don't be misled and so the, it's the Intercontinental Exchange. It's a giant company. It was the New York Stock Exchange, a lot of other exchanges. And it's purchased a number of companies. And you can we've listed them on the Data Advocate if you want to see them. They spent so far $27 billion. And they Stockpiling just, information. And buying or, these companies that, also, that have information, but also then have relationships and contracts with other entities. So they just bought Black Knight, which is a real estate industry vendor. And they paid $13.1 billion for Black Knight. And so that's a lot of money. It's by the big player. Now, a couple of days before, we heard about CoStar offering or putting up something like uh, $200 million to bring all their technologies together. And they've got, and so, and so commercial people are very familiar with CoStar. And CoStar is moving into the residential space. So now you got these two giants. And at the same time, over organized real estate, or what I call legacy legacy real estate, what we've got is um, lawsuits, major lawsuits that kind of like put bricks on the back of the current real estate infrastructure. And so I see major, major changes that we've talked about for years now. But actually, you know how technology, things are, you don't see it, you don't see it, you don't see it, all of a sudden, boom, you see it. And so that's where we're headed. And this $13.1 billion acquisition of Black Knight by ICE, a company that owns the New York Stock Exchange, 
should tell people that they should be looking for opportunities and that they're gonna, there's going to be some dissent and there's going to be some pushback, but $27 billion has been spent by this very successful company to do what they're going to do. And this, what this has the opportunity to do is completely change uh, the, the economics of MLS. The MLS is back, multiple listings are backwards. You pay and then you put your listing in. So you put the content in, you pay to put the content in. Fact is, content's got value. If you put the content in and somebody can take that content, somebody like Zillow, let's say, and then create a billion dollar company around your content, then how come you shouldn't get paid when you put your content in? And the answer is the structure hasn't been there before. And so really and truly, we're going to start to see the value of data. This could shake up the whole equation while there might not have been enough money within the real estate industry to somehow finance the cost of operation for the collection of the data, which is what MLSs do. You take it up to that level in the capital markets and there should be ample opportunity to put together the capital so that at some point people that go out and collect the data don't have to pay to get it exposed. And so, so sorry, to, so everyone is consolidating on all fronts, building their stockpiles. Is, is what I'm hearing around around this this table, except for CPACE, because if you're in CPACE, everybody needs money, and it's cheap money. <laughs> We've got tons of it to <laughs> put toward it, so uh, that's the one good thing. <laughs> and and these exchanges, and I, I go back to what Chris was saying, and you're seeing literally at the ground level exchanges between contractors, networks being either birthing these networks or these barter exchanges between contractors for supplies that are all going to end up rolling up into a New York Stock Exchange at a macro level. And on top, all of that is ICE, the company we've now know from Saul. That owns the New York Stock Exchange <laughs> and other exchanges, right? And so this is a big deal. This We're talking about creating marketplaces and the technology stacks that allow there to be marketplaces, and marketplaces and everything. And what I didn't mention in this is, is that this, the dream here is that if you can create a spot market in real estate, you can create a futures market in real estate. So without getting into a lot of conversation about that, futures markets are great because they allow for more capital to come in. A spot market, that's where, you know, it's people buy and sell back and forth. That's what it's worth. It's like, right, what it's worth right now. Well, if you want it, then if you have that kind of marketplace with enough transactions, then what you can do is people can bet on the future. Right, because you have a spot market. Well, that brings more capital in the marketplace. So 43% of all of the asset is, in the country is real estate and there's no futures market in real estate. And the reason there's no futures market is there's no spot market. Well, what if you could create a spot market? That means you could create a futures market. That's a giant, giant money, right? So people are interested in creating that. And what's one way to do it? Well, you don't need multiple listing services to do it. But if you have relationships with multiple listing services and, and you can get a fair trade and the value of the data and the whole thing can shift, the company that wants to put together a spot market doesn't need how many bedrooms, how many. That's not the kind of data we're talking about. Right. Time on market, other kinds of things that won't affect. So that kind of data, if you can somebody can get that and create a spot market, then they create a futures market. That's all. A lot of new capital, uh, a lot of new opportunity. So lots of things going on. And so this ICE purchase is telltale, right? It's telltale. So, 
Saul, Saul uh, because maybe you know more about this than I do, because I'm not very uh, technologically inclined necessarily, uh, didn't grow up programming or uh, anything like that, like uh, my grandchildren are today, you know. But um, uh, so is some of this kind of setting uh, the standard for, or is it going to be used for things, you know, we, we've been hearing about all kinds of new technology uh, uh, trends uh, with uh, metaverse real estate, <laughs> um, with um, uh, cryptocurrency, which is still cryptic to me. And and so, you know, all, uh, I, I don't know, is it all interrelated? So to a degree, so we can have conversations about all those things, but that's, <laughs> Like aside from the fact that ICE bought Black Knight, okay. Right. So now, right. when we start to look at technology stacking, we start hearing people talk about blockchain. Well, then that is something that makes things possible that had never been possible before, and many of those types of things. And then when you hear people say cryptocurrency, that's an application of blockchain technology. So you can build different things with blockchain, and one of the things you can build is cryptocurrency. Now, there are many different types of cryptocurrency. The most famous one is Bitcoin. And so you see, it's like, so there's a lot, there's a lot of learning that needs to take place in this. And it's not rocket science. It's just a matter of all these pieces. And so Education, like in C-Pace. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, but I think it's worth the conversation. Yeah, yeah. because yeah, it will have an effect. Absolutely. Well, it starts with that ground up exchange between the two contractors, you know, sharing those supplies, those stockpiles. Now, because of tokenization, the digitalization of the data, they can do it faster, farther. I think back to when I first got licensed, and I'm not dating myself on this one, but the one hour rule. I could drive an hour, that was my market, because that's as far and as fast as I could travel with knowledge in a competitive way. Cut to a few years later, with an iPad growing out of my arm, I could go as far as I wanted to, as far as I was licensed. And what this global trend is, this uh, Web3 world, the scary thing about Web3 is I remember dealing with other brokers, developers, and they go, oh, you, you, draw, you, you can't do a transaction in the other state. You're not, you're not, you, you don't know the market well enough. I have no idea yet, and I say yet, about the metaverse markets. So your point, Anna Maria, about what is that to all of us? It is just the next asset class from where I sit coming up mm -hmm. uh, with Nike buying in and all these others. And I don't know how it'll affect the construction industry, except to say there'll be the digital construction industry. You look at uh, Infinite World, right? And Becca, I mean, you're probably out there marketing or at least seeing all this stuff. Uh, Infinite Worlds? And, and... So, so far, I think I... I don't have any clients that are early adopters. So, and, and <laughs> honestly, commercial real estate doesn't tend to be in the early adoption of technology sort of mentality. But interestingly enough, talking about data, I actually was interviewing a client for an article today and they're based in, uh, in the Nashville market. They are incredibly successful brokerage. And it, they were pointing out some of the areas where technology misguides strategy sure. so they do site selection for all sorts of retailers and they will see franchisor lines drawn where where the franchisor takes the country takes municipalities in the country or, or uh, market segments and then makes some lines because of where they think people are 
and they're arbitrarily placed. And so his point was, you may find that in two different areas, that the key crucial marketplace where the franchisees should have stores are literally next to each other, are the only places in those entire market regions where that store should be, unfortunately, are literally right next to each other and they completely cannibalize each other. Because sometimes when we take the data from outside and we don't understand the micro marketplace, we don't understand wayfinding, we don't understand geographic limitations. And certainly like in Nashville, they have bedrock. In Chicago, we're a prairie. You could build anything anywhere here. Nashville, not the same, same way. So it was really interesting covering some of those boots on the ground, you know, that boots on the ground concept, because local knowledge still matters, even though you can have that broader market, market knowledge. And Andreas, you're in the same state, you're driving a couple hours, you're driving the marketplace and you're learning it because you actually are becoming boots on the ground. You're not, I, you're not buying properties from Google and hoping that you're right because of <laughs> Google Earth Tour. So, you know, like everything in, in today's world, though, people are moving at too fast a pace. They don't take enough time to just sit and consider what's in front of them. And so uh, when I was in the property management industry prior to coming to uh, Inland Green Capital, uh, what you were talking about, Becca, is particularly true with or without technology. The fact is that people would take demographics and do site selection without considering the next level uh, internally of, of psychographics. Because just because the, the income levels are at a certain uh, position in, in a particular uh, area of the, uh, of the city doesn't take into account what the spending habits are what the savings habits are and how that affects how they uh, uh, consume in the retail world. And so um, it just, you know, so many different levels. And I think sometimes we all just have to take a breath and step back and take a look at the data in front of us and so Anna, analyze it. Anna Marie, to get to your point, actually, you can go out and buy the data that tells you all those things about those oh, yeah. people. And what you yeah. need in it, and it's they are here today. And Becca, it's what you're talking about, is a platform that lets you go in, lets you bring up very quickly layer after layer of data so you can see not only the demographic information, but the personal habits information, the loans on the property, the the walkability of the, the, the volatility, the halo effect that certain properties have if you build it in this area. So getting a unified view. See, we don't have a unified view of property. This is a residential, this is industrial, this is commercial. But if we were smartly developing a particular municipality, we'd look at everything, we'd get a unified view and we'd see how building in one place could enhance the other. We'd see how we could mitigate the ill effect of, of gentrification in one area, right? We'd be able to do this in a smart way. And the use of the data and the advanced technologies of the day are getting us close to being able to do that. And that's probably what you saw, Beck, as you saw an advanced broker that understands it. You know, it's great for me if I, I wanna know, okay, I, here I am in this spot, I want to know within 10 minute walk, where's the closest Starbucks? Where's the closest restaurant? Where's the closest uh, child care center? And I can do that, right? No matter where I am right here, I want to know within 10 minutes of where I am, where are these different points of interest? 
And so this is all valuable information that's going to become more and more available to everybody. And right now it's available to a few. Hold on. Sorry. Another piece no, that I, I found very interesting was that he talked about how he advises clients on a site looking at forward facing trends because they're looking at a lease that they're looking at a 30 year lease. Yep. Why would you look at where the best spot is today? And they'll say, Oh, but the Chick-fil-A is there. He's like, yeah, but the Chick-fil-A has been there 20 years. It wasn't like this when Chick-fil-A picked the site. So it you know what, they're like really, what they're really doing is they're doing what everybody really should be thinking about. And that's becoming a consultant, right? <laughs> More consultant. Right. They're like advising and like, right. Advising They're That's how they're earning their money. They know things about this that other people don't know. And it's feet on the street, but it's feet on the street using the technology, using the tools. Yeah that allow you to really serve your client and do the very best. And that's a differentiator. And it's, 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 we're getting there. And it keeps, it makes professional, it proves the value of that professional, that broker, that realtor. It's the nuanced intelligence they bring to the table that AI can't pick up on one because the, there's not enough uh, connections of data. It's not a single source and a, a simple truth that all these platforms understand. I mean, MIT has an incredible piece of software where they're shifting zoning in real time with demographic and heat maps to look at that and to predict traffic patterns. So you can then move a store or a Chick-fil-A, which is popping up all over here, <laughs> funny enough. But at the same time, uh, spot on. I mean, data, 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 as Saul says, the paradigm shift, and there is a platform that does this guy, shamelessly, Creco AI does layer data, but not at the scale that you're talking about because it's not, it, it can't be done yet, but tokenization will get us there. And right now we got the entire United States map and you would be amazed at the, what's out there right now. Uh, deep blocks uh, uh, to each point in order. To yeah. Anna Maria on the retail demographics and uh, discretionary income, Placer AI, incredible stuff in real time. Cell phone data, anonymous data. <laughs> on the uh, development side, future looking, deepblocks.ai, incredible data building buildings, moving things on, on an up-to-date zoning. What can I do? What's the net present value? What can I do in 30 years? It's it's there, to Saul's point. It's all out there. 8,000-plus companies as of 20, 2020. Uh, consolidation has happened, as I mentioned earlier. And, uh, wow, it, uh, the excitement is just bubbling for me here. I love talking tech, and we really went this way on the, <laughs> the tech side. No, but um, think, about, think about the consumer just to have access to information that they never had access to before and how exciting that would be. And uh, it's going to change the whole methodology around buying and selling homes. And then this technology is also going to increase liquidity. It's going to allow for faster sales. And so while fees might come down, you're going to have more transactions because one of the reasons you don't have as many transactions in real estate is I buy it today, but it's gonna, I can't sell it six months from now, right? But if I could buy it today and I knew I could get my money out tomorrow, if it was that liquid, you'd have more transactions. Not saying that people are going to buy today and sell tomorrow. But with liquidity, where I know if I have to turn my money, my real estate into cash, I can. That changes the risk factor. And people are going to be more willing to get involved in real estate if that's the way it works. And that will be the way it works. Yeah. Marketplaces, more and more marketplaces are out there just investing in real estate secondary. You know, I'm investing... And Maria, I invested in some CPA loans. Well, I'm sorry, the app I 
put money into invested in some CPA slots <laughs> by extension. They're all there. These secondary markets are popping up and we're, we're blowing through some time here. It sounds like we've, we've, we've already hit segment two. We've talked about what's happening in our space and our sectors. What, uh, as we come up to the top of the hour, what is the biggest thing from each side of the table that as a real estate professional, we should be focused on or doing over the next 30 days as we go around the room uh, to help us be better and do better? Obviously, you know, finding the right data. But let's uh, start with, let's go in reverse. Anna Maria. Um, I, I would say from a CPACE perspective, uh, this can begin to be a very busy time uh, with projects uh, getting underway, uh, with the better weather coming, especially in a place like Chicago, where you know, we've got the limited <laughs> good weather to deal with uh, season. And um, and also because here in Illinois, for example, and just speaking, you know, it's different nationally and we do uh, provide financing uh, to projects nationally. But here on the local level, uh, there are um, uh, incentives, uh, especially for renewable energies that uh, are available this year that are going to be prorated uh, after this year and and eventually go away and so we uh, you know do uh, advise that people who are thinking of doing these kinds of projects um, you know really look into it now and uh, we have plenty of resources available feel free to contact me it's uh, my first name uh, as spelled here on the screen dot last name at inlandgroup.com. And so I'd be glad to help you with any questions. That's fantastic. And <clears throat> Chris, on the construction side, on the education side, perhaps yeah. even on the labor side, what's the biggest thing uh, owners can do, contractors, GCs, the industry? Um, it's, a, it's, it's not just a, a, a shameless plug, but I, I, I honestly would encourage some of these owners to really look into some of the associations, some of the some of the chambers, some of the organizations, you know, maybe, you know, I've talked to a few owners recently. I'm trying to get, you know, kind of to come on board and I have opportunities for them. I have the opportunities. They're there. Um, and everyone to what Saul was saying earlier, as far as inflation, you know, intended to kind of slow things down and slow. It's slowing those owners down from making their decisions. And I keep telling them, listen, you got to not asking you to go ahead and make some gigantic purchase. But if you want to change something about what's going on, you got to do something a little different. Um, and I, I got to tell you, I see the people and it's not just with my association, the people who are, who are, who are really harboring those relationships and really going back to their, hey, I got to do a little more with this association or let me go to this event and see what they're about. Um, depending on what the topics are and the panels and all that sort of stuff, they seem to be doing a little bit better. So I would just encourage encourage people to kind of, you know, go back to some of the some of the original uh, connections and associations that they've dealt with. Maybe look into a couple of new ones. Just kind of see who you can bump into because everything that event we did yesterday, there was a whole booth dedicated to construction to AEC marketing. There was a, it, that was never a thing before. And we had kids going over and to talk about AEC marketing. They had no interest in the sights and sounds, but then they were at that booth and they were asking those people about what they did. And um, I just see everyone on this particular podcast. I'm seeing that every single day in real life 
as I get out more and more and more and that things have opened up where I'm seeing people on the capital side, the marketing side, the everyone's kind of blending. I had a great conversation with a gentleman today who was looking to get into um, the dispensaries and all that sort of stuff, which is a huge hot topic in Connecticut. Within, I called him to take care of a business thing for a, a volunteer situation that, I, that I'm involved with. And it turned into, hey, if you need contractors, reach out. It, it's just, I'm seeing a lot of crossroads. So I just, uh, long-winded way of saying, you know, we're, build out your networks a little bit more and, you know, see who's around you and start, you know, leveraging those relationships, old and new. Love it. And Rebecca from a fellow Chicago native there to Anna Maria, outside of the good weather and getting out there to the luncheon at ICSC in Vegas on what day? On Being Tuesday, the best thing they could May 24th. do. <laughs> and the website is very easy. It's 2022vegasluncheon.eventbrite.com. And anyone can register. We are very, very happy to just to have people there and to follow Chris's example of building your network. That's something that we at my company and certainly all of my clients are very, very committed to building that network. And since uncertainty does bring opportunity, don't get down. Like, don't let like the the negativity of the news and of the experiences of, you know, it sucks that your gas tank costs $65, but you don't have to cry about it all day, every day, right? Like there, there's, there are opportunities out there and we've got to, you got to get out of your own stuff and move on, move on to see, looking for those opportunities and being very, very tactical and strategic and networking to do so. That's right. Yeah. Um, network is always net worth as Jonathan Stein and I, I've parroted back and forth for sure. And Saul from from the high level view or the low level view at the car wash. Uh, level. No, so you know, just think about it. <laughs> macro 30, and micro. I used to say 30 days. What should I concentrate on? And then this is not, this is the next, you really want the next 30 days? Well, actually, it kind of fits real estate practitioners, people I know and love. And you think about real estate, this is a really important thing for people to realize. This has been a hot real estate market. And it's not easy to sell real estate in the hot real estate market. Right. Because there are a lot of buyers in it. Right. It's not easy to sell real estate. In a hot, it's still six million transactions. Same amount. It's not easy. Well, guess what? We're going to head towards a recession, maybe into a recession. Interest rates going to go up. You know what? It's not easy to sell real estate in a slow real estate market. People that sell real estate are survivors. That's what this business is about. You need, in the next 30 days, you need to focus on what you always focus on. You know, we used to always kid about the real estate industry. You got to go out and eat what you kill. And it's like, you know, should I buy this piece of software or should I have dinner on Friday night? And that's often the way it is. That's the kind of business it is, right? It's all based upon your individual productivity. So if you're asking me, what should you do in the next 30 days? It's like, make sure that you put food on the table at the end of the week. <laughs> Pay attention to what's going on around you. Know that it was hard to sell real estate over the last couple of years, and it's going to be hard to sell real estate over the next couple of years. But if you're a real estate person, you're going to do just fine. Well, oh, well said. Nothing changes if nothing changes, and we are in a cyclical business, right? Mm -hmm. And businesses will move, and transactions will happen, and it's uh, being of value and finding what your value is. What is your, on my side, what is your unique value proposition to your client, and how is that changing now that COVID is ending and we're back in the market? Some it, of us it doesn't are, change it because real estate is relationship, and and so that's what it all comes down to. 
And if, if, if that is true, and I agree, it's true, how much of that needs to now be augmented through technology? What have we learned with the last two years of COVID that we're out there now promoting um, ourselves in that technology, these different podiums, these different platforms? How can we extend our reach? I used to say in uh, 2010, uh, it was the luckiest time to be a broker because the technology was there for me to go get as much business as I wanted. I could find the owner. I could find the different pieces of data. And most people didn't really know yet how to do it. They just knew their local people. So it was very easy to take business from my betters. Now everybody's kind of figured out how to go get that. So now, to your point, Anna Maria, we're back to those relationships. How well have I built those relationships and, and catered to my clients so that we can do more deals? Uh, from my end, uh, Mr. Mendoza, I know you're back there at the top of the hour. And although we each went around a bit, love to uh, do a quick run through on how to reach each of us uh, on the outro as, as we say goodbye to this month. Uh, are you sleep at the switch? There we go. Saul Klein, uh, data advocate, all things macro, and Saul, I'll let you exit out up from there. Trainer, speaker, consultant. Yep, that's good enough. TheDataAdvocate.com, TheDataAdvocate.com, and all the things we talked about today and we'll continue to talk about there, so you can find it all there. Fantastic. And I don't know the order of Reagan you have it in, but Carl, Becca Carlson. Lunch in on Tuesday, the Tuesday, May 24th in Las Vegas <laughs> at the Renaissance adjacent to South Hall, 11 to 2. Come hang out. It'll be fun. Uh, you don't even have to buy an ICSC ticket. You can just go to the luncheons or hang out at the Starbucks Correct. for any of those listening who have been to these events. <laughs> Next on the on our exit. Hey. It, it just call me if you don't know enough about CPACE because you should know about CPACE. And uh, uh, stay tuned for next month because I'm going to have a couple of uh, pretty uh, fun and, and uh, big announcements to make. Fantastic. And Chris Abel, I believe, is next. Yeah, absolutely. Any, uh, you know, any contractors that want to reach out to me, best thing is to do is just give me a call. ABC is the largest commercial construction uh, association in the country. I'm with the Connecticut chapter, but if you're anywhere in the country, I can line you up with one of my counterparts in a, in a chapter near you and you can, uh, you can learn more about, uh, about the association, but I'm open to any sort of conversations. Just give me a call. Networking at its best. Yes. Yes. Uh, for those looking for me, as always, uh, email me, Twitter, so on, uh, LinkedIn. Love to talk growth strategy or just real estate. It's my broker, GAC Properties, Preco AI, Connect, Research, Execute, all online in one simple place. That all being said, to our listeners, thank you. Without you, we do not have a show. And as much as I enjoy talking to this group of people, I can do that on Zoom without all of this. So, Mr. Mendoza, thank you for making this so wonderful on the background there. And to our listeners, download our show anywhere you get your audio, Apple Podcasts, Alexa, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, or just ask your Alexa device to tune into the Creco AI Roundtable. Also, please don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where there's a host of great content, including sector interviews, most recently with Anna Maria on CPACE specifically, for those that don't know. And do share, rate, and review us. It really does help. Thank you again for tuning in to this month's roundtable powered by Preco AI.